event. Not just a word, but a noun. It's a description of one who doesn't see things as others do. One who doesn't seek the gratification that society sees as normal. Being a deviant isn't always a bad thing, as thinking outside the box does have its advantages. But for the deviants that we'll talk about, well, they far exceed any type of what one would consider normal. In fact, they have become so thickly weaved in society today that it seems like we can't go a day without finding another deviant doing something that tops everything we've seen so far. I'm talking about those who do some of the most outlandish things that defies any and all logic. You know the type. We see it every day. Come with me and we'll keep an eye out as the world circles the drain with deviants. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley and this is The Deviant Report. Welcome folks to The Deviant Report where we sit around keeping an eye out as the world circles the drain with deviants. First, uh, let's take a look at a deviant from history. The world wasn't short of deviants back in the American Revolution. Major John Andre, head of the British Secret Service station in America, was court-martialed on September 21, 1780. He was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. Major Andre was convicted after they found incriminating papers stashed in his boot. Note here, folks, never hide incriminating things in your boots. I'm just saying. It was the discovery of said papers that revealed the traitorous actions of Benedict Arnold to the U.S. authorities. Upon hearing of Major Andre's capture, the deviant Arnold soiled himself, screamed like a little girl, saying every man for himself, then ran like a scalded dog to the British warship Voltaire, promptly sailed back to Great Britain and hid under his bed, praying that they'd hang Major Andre and the whole thing would just blow over. After being sentenced to death, Major Andre was allowed to write a letter to his commander, British General Henry Clinton. Major Andre also wrote a letter to General George Washington in which he asked not that his life be spared, but that he be executed by firing squad. A death by firing squad was considered a more gentlemanly death than hanging, and even today on the battlefield it still is. Even members of the Continental Army respected Major Andre's bravery, including George Washington, who wanted to find a way to spare Major Andre's life, believing that he had committed a lesser crime than Benedict Arnold. After all, Major Andre was a British officer and never claimed to be anything else. General Washington wrote a letter to General Clinton stating that he would exchange Major Andre for the deviant Arnold so the traitor Arnold could be hung like the dog that he was instead. When he didn't receive a reply to his offer, General Washington wrote the general order of the day. Major Andre, general to the British Army, ought to be considered a spy from the enemy and that it agreeable to the law and uses of nations, it is their opinion that he ought to suffer death. The commander-in-chief directs that the execution of the above sentence be executed in the usual way this afternoon at precisely five o'clock. Major Andre, in his starched-up lobster-backed uniform, was then dragged to a neck-stretching party where he was the guest of honor and executed by hanging in Tappan, New York on October 2nd, 1780, at the ripe old age of 31. 
Yes, I see ripe old age of 31, as the life expectancy during the Revolutionary War wasn't much higher for men who were involved in it. The deviant Arnold wiped the sweat from his brow, figured that that was a close call, and went on with life until June 14, 1801, when he died from gout. If you look up his cause of death, you'll notice that it's reported to be dropsy. That's what they called gout back then. It was reported that the deviant suffered delusions, put on his American dress uniform, and said that he regretted ever wearing another one, just before laying down on his deathbed and shuffling off to eternity while still wearing his continental uniform. Now the current deviants. A British wildlife park has removed five African gray parrots from public view because, well, of their fowl's foul language. Lincolnshire Wildlife Park adopted the parrots about six weeks ago and put them in quarantine together. Bird handlers had noticed one bird that had the ability to cuss up a storm, something he engaged in quite often. About as often as he took a breath, that is. For at least 25 years, the park has always taken in parrots that have sometimes had a bit of blue language here and there, but they uh, pretty much got used to it, so it really wasn't an alarm to them that much. But just by coincidence, they took in five the same week and made the mistake of quarantining them all together in, in one room, and in the same room was the bird that had a way with words. That in turn meant that if all of them that didn't know how to cuss when they went in to the room together sure as heck knew when they came out. What started with one had passed on and on until what one didn't know, the other one taught them. So they ended up with a room full of swearing birds. It sounded like a Navy ship on Friday night after leaving Bangkok. According to Steve Nichols, the park's CEO, I now get get called a myriad of unsavory things every time I walk past any of them. My problem is the birds get the chance to teach the rest of them the bad language. The whole place will end up with 250 bad-mouthed birds. And that would be an interesting trip for the children who just want to come see the pretty birdies, wouldn't it? It seems that bad language runs through birds like the plague, and it only takes one to start it all. See, folks, what a single deviant can do if they're motivated and they have a pet bird? I'll be right back. You're listening to The Deviant Report with Larry Bentley. A Phoenix father is facing second-degree murder charges for beating a man who harassed his young daughter to freaking death. Police say Melvin Harris, who is 40, admitted to beating Leon Armstrong, who was 26, to death after he attempted to break into the teenage girl's stall at a quick-stop convenience store bathroom. Mr. Harris was awaiting for his daughter and her two friends in the store's parking lot when the deviant Armstrong approached his car asking for money. Mr. Harris gave him some change, and then the deviant walked into the convenience store. Soon after that, Mr. Harris' daughter and her friends came out of the store scared to death, crying, and said that the man had harassed them by trying to break into her stall. Mr. Harris then went to the store and demanded that the security guard take action, or else he was going to take matters into his own hands. Apparently, the security guard didn't take it seriously because upon leaving the store, witnesses reported that Mr. Harris approached the deviant Armstrong, whom he then punched directly in the face. The deviant went down like a Fraser fur on Thanksgiving Day, and Mr. Harris proceeded to curb stomp him until he was unconscious and therefore no longer a threat to little girls. 
Then Mr. Harris politely left the bruised and battered deviant laying in a puddle of his own blood and piss in the parking lot, assuming room temperature. After the assault, the deviant was taken to a hospital with injuries including brain swelling and an acute case of the broken nose, where his body seized up and he took up the job pushing up daisies. I think I can say here that no matter where you're from, if somebody attacks your child, they'll be lucky to wake up, let alone walk away. A deviant who tried to swat a fly, uh, well, he didn't go too well for him. The deviant who was 80 years old was trying to eat his dinner when he became annoyed at a fly buzzing around him and bouncing off of his face. Now, I'm the first one to say that that would about do it for me, too. But the deviant picked up an electric fly swatter and took off after it. This after calling the gas company while cooking his dinner and telling them that he thought he had a gas leak. I guess the fly made him take leave of his senses as he chased the fly around the house, swatting at it with the fly swatter, which emits sparks, of course, to an electrode to, to electrocute the flies. That's when the reaction occurred between the swatter and the gas, causing an explosion and part of his kitchen to be blown completely off the house. Yeah, reaction, that's a good way to put it, ain't it? Though the house wasn't a total loss due to the blast, it was so damaged that a section of his roof in the living room was even blasted away. It left the house currently inhabitable, though. Somehow, the poor deviant, like they always do, managed to walk out of the catastrophe with just a small singe on the back of his hand. His family are currently repairing the house while he stays at a campsite nearby. And nobody knows what happened to the fly. It's probably bouncing off somebody else's face right now. A machete-welding woman forced her ex-boyfriend to get jiggy with her. Samantha Mears, a 20-year-old Montana woman, broke into her ex-boyfriend's home armed with a machete while he wasn't at home. The deviant did hid behind his bedroom door and waited for him to come home. When he arrived, she leaped out, buck naked, and waving the machete at him. She then held the blade to his throat and told him to take his clothes off. Then she forced him to do the deed. She then bit a piece of his foreskin off while they were going at it. After all of that, the deviant sat naked on the man's bed staring at him with the machete still in her hands and tears rolling down her cheeks, which the victim was able to quickly snap a photo of and give to the investigators. The lunatic then got up, crawled to the middle of the bed like a cat, peed all over it, and then started scratching at it as if the cat was in the litter box covering up his mess. The man was able to run away as she attempted to hack a piece of trimming off of his bedroom wall and that's when he called the police. Just two months before this attack, she was charged with felony strangulation for a different attack against the same poor man, where she tried to choke the life out of him with a shoelace. Her lawyer, Mr. Frisbee, said that his client suffers from mental issues and uh, learning disabilities, which he said contributed to the attacks. Oh, really? She was previously deemed unfit to stand trial, which placed the whole case on hold, so I guess now she's fit. Samantha Ray Mears was sentenced to 20 years in a psych ward. During her 20-year commitment, Miss Mears will have to undergo sex offender reprogramming, and she will be designated a Tier 2 sex offender. For the love of Mike. Deviants, folks, what are we going to do with them? I hope you've enjoyed hearing the Deviant Report. If you have, please rate and review the podcast, and don't forget to follow us, please. Of course, you'll be following Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend to get this Deviant Report podcast, which runs right along with the other one. 
If you'd like even more episodes of both of these podcasts, along with uh, World of Murder, Mystery, and Legend, well, then consider becoming a subscriber for $1.99 a month for the extra episodes. Please join us on Facebook group, Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend podcast, where we can discuss everything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. I'll be back real soon with another Deviant Report, and I'll see you then.